That's great. I want to pick up where we left off last week. Um, Kathy and I have been talking and quite a bit about in our prayer times, one of the things that the Holy Spirit just said to me was, I want you to teach the people not just to pray, I want you to teach them to hear, to listen. Because praying for prayer's sake is what religious people do. Praying for instruction is what Christians do. As Pastor David shared today, that when we pray, we really align ourselves with heaven. How many of you know God has a plan for your life? Come on, just, you just need to look at your neighbor and say, God's got a plan for you. Come on, just tell him. God's got a plan for your life. He's got a plan, and the Bible says that that plan is filled with good and not evil. And it gives you a future and a hope. How many of you know you can change the calendar to Monday, you can have a new day, but you don't necessarily have a new future? God gives you a future. The calendar gives you a new day, but God gives you a future. And so when you realize he has a plan for me, so the way I align my life with that plan is I find out what heaven has already decided for me. And then Jesus taught his disciples, pray this way, pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it already is in heaven. In other words, let that plan live out in my life. So this series is called Noise. Cancel the noise. Is there anybody in the room thinks sometimes life is just too noisy? There are all kinds of voices that clamor for our attention. And I think all of us are learning, particularly in the culture we're in right now, that it's very important that we quiet the noise so we can begin to hear the voice of God. How many of you know the theme of God's Word from beginning to end has to do with being able to hear the voice of God. Genesis chapter 1 begins, you haven't got to the third verse before the Bible says, and God said. God said. So the very beginning of the Bible, when you start studying the Bible, you find out the first thing that separates our God from every other God. This is not true of Buddha. This isn't true of Muhammad. It's not true of of any other God except the God Jehovah who manifested himself in flesh through his son Jesus is that he is a speaking God. That separates our God from every other God. He speaks. He communicates. He talks. He wants relationship. So Genesis begins with, and God said, and the instructions that came to Israel, which was his a type of his chosen people, Deuteronomy 6, but when God would give his instructions to Israel, he would begin his instructions with these words, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. He started with the word, hear. Everybody shout, hear. I mean, you know, if you watch old movies or go back into medieval times, the the people of the city that would come out and let you know the decrees had been made. They'd go, hear ye, hear ye. Even in some courtrooms, they would come in and say, hear ye, hear ye. The deal is not, are you here? It's not H-E-R-E. It's H-E-A-R. Because you need to hear what's about to be said. Jesus in Mark chapter 4 tells a parable about a sower that goes about sowing seed. And he talks about four kinds of ground, and he says only one type of ground really produces the full measure of what God intends. But when he finishes telling the whole parable, he says this, to him who has ears to hear, let him hear. Somebody say that with me. To him who has ears to hear, let him hear. Say it again. To him who has ears to hear, let him hear. The point Jesus makes in that parable, listen to this closely, because if you read Mark 4, read it later this week, you'll find out that Jesus said this. He said, if you don't understand this parable, you can't understand any of the parables that I'm telling you. In other words, knowing how to appropriate the principles of that parable help you and I understand the rest of the Bible. And he ends that by saying, you have to have ears to hear. The book of Proverbs says this, the seeing eye and the hearing ear, the Lord has made them both. The book of Revelation ends, the Bible ends 
with God saying, if you have ears to hear, let him hear. So guess what, guess what a relationship with God is about? It's about being able to hear him. It was a major key in my life. I grew up in church as, as my parents were Christians. But how many of you know, listen to me closely, how many of you know you don't inherit your faith, you have to choose it. And though I had been around church stuff all my life, my ear had not been trained to hear the voice of God. I didn't know how to hear God. And so I struggled in my Christian walk as a teenager. I struggled when I went to college because I'd not yet really adjusted my ear to know how to hear God. I didn't even know the various ways that God talked to me. And over the next couple of weeks, I'm going to be sharing some things. Listen, you know, if you missed last week, I hope you went back and watched it. Listen, surely you can give me 40 minutes of your week. Go watch it on YouTube while you're watching the dog, while you're taking and exercising, while you're, while you're eating supper. Pull your phone up. Do something and give me 40 minutes. Let me teach you every week over the next several weeks how God wants you and I to learn to hear the voice of God. Because I'm persuaded, ladies and gentlemen, that it's because people can't hear that they're not fruitful. It's what keeps them from being fruitful, being passionate, and actually being powerful in their Christian life because they keep throwing darts in darkness and then drawing targets hoping they've hit it somehow. How many of you know God really wants us to be more specific than that? I'm going to wait on you. Come on. How many of you know God wants us to be more specific than that? How many of you know God can tell you which car to buy? You can buy the one you want and end up having it in the shop, or you can buy the one he tells you. Yes and amen, Bishop. Praise the Lord. God can actually tell you who it is you should be in relationship with if you're single and looking for a husband or a wife. You can be dating a demon and not know it. Somebody said, I think I was with him last month. No, listen. God can tell you. He can direct you because God's concerned about every affair of your life. He's not just concerned about some things. He's concerned about everything. So I want to take a passage of Scripture in the Old Testament and teach a little bit about, here's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about the power of the prompting. The power of the prompting because I think oftentimes we misunderstand how God actually really speaks to us and how God talks to us so if you open your Bibles with me everybody online everybody at home find a Bible get your phone whatever device you want to use open your Bible with me to 1st Samuel chapter 3 1st Samuel chapter 3 I'm gonna read verse 1 through 10 and then we'll draw some things from this it says in the boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli in those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. He was in the tabernacle. Then the Lord called to Samuel. Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. And Eli said, I didn't call you, go back and lay down. So he went back and laid down. Again, the Lord called Samuel. Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. And he said, my son, I didn't call you, go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. That's an important verse. Samuel did not yet know the Lord. In other words, he did not yet know how to hear God. And the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. A third time the Lord called, Samuel. Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, and if he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lied down in his place. And the Lord came and stood there, calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. 
Then the Lord said, speak, for your servant is listening. Father, I pray over the next few minutes you'll allow me entrance into men and women's hearts. Holy Spirit, you're the preacher and teacher, and I'm asking you now to reveal the word of the Lord to us. Teach us how to hear. Train our ears to hear the voice of God. Speak to us clearly today. We give you glory and honor in Jesus' name. Everybody shout amen. Everybody shout promptings. Let's look at this passage real quickly and walk our way through it. It's very important that we set the stage for what actually is going on. First of all, I believe it's going to talk to us today because there's four key things I want to draw to here. There's several others. I just haven't got time to chase them. First of all, let's talk about the culture, the culture. The Bible says the word of the Lord was rare and there were not many visions in that day. Here's what's important to know. Let's talk first of all about who Samuel was. Samuel's mother was a lady named Hannah. Hannah had needed, wanted a child. She had been barren. She had not been able to have a child. And she cried out to God because she saw all the other ladies her age around her having children. And the Bible says that she got desperate before God and she said, God, if you'll give me a child, I'll give him back to you. And God honored Hannah's request and God gave her a son. And so her son was named Samuel. And when Samuel was four years old, Hannah took him to the house of God. She actually took him to the high priest, who was Eli, and she gave him to him to raise, to mentor. It was as if he was put in rabbinical school or in private school at kindergarten. And he was being raised up to be a priest unto God because Hannah had decided, if God gave me the son, I'll give him back to him. I'll give him back to God. After that, Hannah had several other children because God opened her womb. Because she was willing to give her first son, she had many more sons, many more children. How many of you know that's, there's, there's a message in that in itself? But the Bible says that she would come once a year to see Samuel. Samuel grew up every year being trained in all of the duties of priesthood. He was being trained how to be around the house of God, to be around the tabernacle. He served a man named Eli. Everybody shout Eli. Eli had two boys. I'm, I won't even tell you their names. It's, you can find it. It's, it's in the passage in chapter 1 and 2. But his two sons were also in the priesthood. Here's the problem. Eli's boys had no regard for the ways of God. Though they were priests, they certainly did not act in any kind of way that was conducive to their priestly responsibility. In fact, when people would bring their offerings, the Bible says that his two sons would stand and want the fat of the offering, which belonged to the Lord. They would want it for themselves. So rather than giving God what was his, they would take it for their personal needs and their personal life. They would have sex with women right at the door of the tabernacle. They would abuse women in order to satisfy their own lustful desires. And the Bible says that they created such chaos that the, the day came when God decided enough is enough. How many of you know you never have to correct people that you think are getting away with something because God has a way of making the correction necessary? Now, Eli got held responsible because he didn't correct them, but God did correct it. And so Eli was in a place where his priesthood was failing. He was beginning to lose influence. The people were not paying attention to the things of God. Watch this. They were more interested in natural things than they were in the word of the Lord. In other words, watch this. Because they treated God as common, the word of the Lord was rare. I can tell you in every home I've ever been in where the things of God were treated as common, there was not much communication from heaven. Because every time God is treated common, you and I fail to really tune in to hear the voice of the Lord. And because today in our culture, we live in a day that it's so easy to get information that we no longer seek truth. Because we believe, I can find that for myself. And that somehow we believe that Google is greater than the Holy Ghost. How many of you know Google may be able to give you facts and information, but they can't give you context and meaning. And we're drowning in information 
We're drowning in voices that have agendas, projects, causes that want to pull us in every direction, but we don't have a whole lot of truth going on in the world. When the, when the, when the things of God are treated as common, the word of the Lord becomes rare. Now watch this. It wasn't that they didn't have access to the revelation or access to the presence of God. It was not their lack of access that caused them to not be able to hear God. It was their attitude towards presence that caused them to not have any word from God. There's a lot of people that have access to his presence, but have a bad attitude about his presence. So therefore the word of the Lord becomes rare. That's those people that when they go to church, they're almost like they're narcoleptic. I ain't got no help. I'm going to preach to myself today. Huh? They're, they're like, I don't, you know, I'm here because I'm punching my ticket. How many of you know that when you sit in the midst, I don't care who the preacher is. When you sit in the midst of somebody teaching the word of God, that's the time you need to tune your ears up because it's in his presence that revelation begins to flow forth that can literally transform your life. I went through a spell in my life where I, I like certain kinds of preachers and there's other kinds I just weren't attracted to. And God just sort of had to put me in a place of learning and he put me saying, I want you to listen to this guy and this guy and this guy. And I'm like, God, they are, they are drier than two days ago's cornbread. There is nothing about them that makes me want to listen to them. He said, that's because you've not trained your ear to hear. You have trained your emotions to be entertained. And if the preacher doesn't entertain you, you, you don't think there's nothing being said. You got to train your ear to hear, not just your preferences to receive. Oh, I feel good today. And here's what the Bible says. The Bible says, and the lamp of God. Now re remember, Samuel is sleeping in the tabernacle. He's in the holy place. The most holy is behind the veil where the Ark of the Covenant was, but he's in the tabernacle. He's in the room where the, where the candlestick was, the table of showbread, the altar of incense. He's sleeping in the tabernacle. And the Bible says the lamp of the Lord, the candlestick, which, which stands for illumination. It's what gave revelation. When the priest would come into the holy place, that candlestick was a sign that God was still giving revelation to the nation. That's why, watch this, they prepared it, God lit it. He originally lit the fire from heaven and then he told them to maintain it. So they went daily and would trim the wick and keep the oil in the lamp so that they could keep the light of God burning. How many of you know God will initiate revelation in your life, but you have to maintain it? Come on, some of you have treated God like he's big. He's got to light your fire every day. There ought to be some things you, you take care of your own fire. He lights a fire in you, and then you know how to tend it. I got like three amens right there. But here's good news. If the lamp has not gone out, it's not too late. Maybe the lamp is flickering about a revelation about your family. But how many of you know as long as the lamp is burning, there can be fresh revelation. Maybe you don't know what to do about your business. But if the lamp is still on, you can get the revelation you need. If, it may be that you don't know what to do about your physical healing. But if the lamp is still burning, you can get a revelation that with his stripes you are the healed of the Lord. As long as the lamp is burning, it's not too late. So in the room was the lamp, there was the ark. So there was presence and there was revelation. But the established priesthood had become so indifferent to the things of God that God had to speak to a 12-year-old boy in his innocence in order to get a voice back in the nation. Listen to me closely. God is always speaking, but we're not always listening. God is always speaking. The, the issue is not will God speak. The issue is will we listen? 
Hebrews chapter 12, verse 25 says this. You ought to write that verse down. Hebrews 12, 25, it says, we've not come to a mountain like, like, like Mount Sinai where there's a mountain of fire and ten commandments. We've come to Zion, the place of the presence of God. And he says, when you come to Zion, here's what, here's what Hebrews 12, 25 says. See to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. In other words, it must be possible for God to talk to us and us have the capacity to refuse hearing. So the culture was, watch this, when the things of God are treated as ordinary, the word of the Lord becomes rare. You can, you can have your own self-examination today. Maybe I've not been hearing from God because maybe I've treated the things of God way too common in my life. The second thing that I want you to see here is that the way the connection was made between heaven and earth, it was not made in ritual. The connection was made when God speaks. It's his voice. Listen, it's his voice that leads our life. It's his voice that leads our life. It's easy to believe that the ritual of going through the motions can give leadership to your life, but that's not how he leads us. He leads us by his voice. John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. Every true sheep, every person that's a part of the Lord's sheepfold knows his voice. He knows them. And they follow his voice. Now, please, give me, you're going to have to give me, everybody, everybody, everybody just say, I'm with you, Bishop. Come on, say it again. I'm with you, Bishop. Because I'm getting ready to go through a couple of things that it, it might be a little bit of deep water, but I want you to get it, okay? Now, you have to realize in the Old Testament, don't miss this, in the Old Testament, under the Old Covenant, no one had the Spirit of God living in them. In the Old Testament, before the cross and the resurrection, the Spirit of God only came on people. It came on them to prophesy. It came on them to win a great battle, to win a victory. There was no resident Holy Spirit living in them. And it was by their continuation of keeping the festivals and keeping all the, all the promises of Passover that they stayed in right relationship with God. That's why every year they'd come to the day of atonement and the sins of the nation would be cared for by the, by the blood of a lamb. But the spirit of God did not that listen, that's one of the reasons we desire to be new Testament Christians because Ezekiel prophesied. I actually, I actually was in Israel on one of our trips with a guy that's been our, our guide many, many times now, his name's Daniel. And he's an incredibly brilliant Jewish man. And I stood in the upper room and began to teach. And I taught this part. I had not taught it before. I taught out of Ezekiel how Ezekiel says that the way you'll know that the new covenant has come is that God said, I will no longer write on stony tablets the laws of God, but I will now write them on your fleshly heart. For I will now give you a new heart when you come to be in relationship with God. When we got done that session outside of the upper room and went outside, he said to me, I've been doing this 25 years. I've never heard that. Talk to me about it. And I'm not going to go into all the details and bore you with it. But we ended up having an hour conversation that day, another hour on the bus. He went home that night, called his rabbi, came back with a whole nother set of questions the next day. And he said to me the second day, my rabbi and I would like to meet with you. Is it possible? Because here's what happens. There's, there's this thing that happens from the old covenant to the new covenant. And that is that God no longer lives outside me. God comes to live in me. Wow. In the Old Testament, the Spirit of God came on me, and I had to go to the tabernacle in order to offer sacrifices. And then the tabernacle became the temple. 
And the temple became the place that was honored and in awe, and everybody, everybody wanted to see the splendor of the temple. But here's what happens. Oh, this is shouting territory. Here's what happens. In the New Testament, when Jesus raises from the dead, he said, guess what? I tore that veil. There's no longer going to be a hidden God because that God is no longer going to be outside of you. That God is now going to come and move in you. You're not going to go to a temple. You're now going to be the temple of the Holy Ghost. So everything that you honored there is now on the inside of you, and you can honor that living down on the inside of your life. So the candlestick is not behind a curtain somewhere in Israel. The candlestick is at your house, in your heart, and in your life. That's why it doesn't matter if we put the Ten Commandments on the walls of the courthouse because God's not writing Ten Commandments in stone anymore. He is writing Ten Commandments in the fleshly hearts of men and women. He speaks to me internally. That is not good for you. Hallelujah. Somebody say, he's in me. So the lamp of the Lord lives in me. So you know what that means? That means that for me today, in, 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 in opposition to even what happened to Samuel, God doesn't have to speak audibly to speak. In fact, let me suggest to you that most of the time God doesn't speak audibly. Very, I don't, maybe never in my life have I ever heard God say, Tony, Tony. Hmm? People keep listening for this audible voice. Now, can God speak audibly? Yes, he can. But that's very rare. The way God speaks to us today is he speaks to us through what the Bible calls the inward witness. The Bible says that his spirit bears witness with our spirit. Oh, yeah. And how many of you know sometimes when his spirit doesn't bear witness with what my spirit is thinking? That's a pure sign that I'm not in alignment with what heaven had for me. Sometime, am I doing okay? Proverbs 20, 27 says this, the spirit of a man is the lamp of the Lord, illuminating his way. In other words, God shows you how to follow him from the inside out. He'll give you promptings. You ever be riding down the road and you're not even thinking about Fred and all of a sudden it pops in your head, you need to call Fred. And you're like, where'd that come from? I wouldn't even think about Fred. And you know, what happens until we get trained to really discern the voice of God, what happens is we just go, whoa, that's a rare thought. I don't know. I hope, I hope Fred's okay. But the more you walk with God, all of a sudden you begin to realize, wait a minute, that prompting that came to me right there out of nowhere may have been the Holy Spirit saying to me, Fred's in trouble and needs you to call him right now. Sometimes the Holy Spirit will prompt you to go certain places, do certain things. Here's what I can guarantee you, ladies and gentlemen. When God wants to talk to you, he can find you. And here's something else everybody ought to shout over. If you miss it the first time, he does repeat it. Come on. And how many of you know, it may be like, at, you know, this happened in my life one time. I was in a place where, where I was wanting to pray about certain things, and God wasn't really interested in talking about those things. And I did like, you know, I, I, showed, I brought this up because I, I made a prayer list. How many of you ever made a prayer list? I made all the prayer lists, all the things I was, talking, I was wanting to pray about. I prayed about all of them. I got done, and I, just inside, I felt the Holy Ghost say to me, I'm not interested in anything on your prayer list. I want to talk to you about your, your pride. And I'm like, Lord, that ain't on my prayer list right here. My pride is not on my prayer list. 
I, I, that, that was not on here. I didn't have that on my Thursday prayer list. And God said, well, I, either you can wait until you get around to it or I'm going to wait till you get around to it because I'm not going to talk about anything you want to talk about until I talk to you about what I want to talk about. I mean, if you know, he'll just keep repeating it. Huh? You'll be talking to him about a new job and he'll say, no, I want to talk to you about your bad attitude towards your boss. Lord, you know he's a devil. No, I don't want to talk to you about how you see him because I've, I got you there for a reason. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. Come on, how many, how many of you know, am I doing okay? Because what happens is, when, you know, when, when, we, when Kathy and I got ready to come to Oklahoma City, we lived our whole life on the East Coast. I'm from outside of, D, just outside of D.C. She's from Florida. We spent our whole ministry there. And actually left the church that we planted, the last church we planted, we left, we spent 25 years pastoring. We thought we were finished pastoring, and I was going to spend the rest of my life just working with our network. And all of a sudden, God began to put a prompting in my heart that there was an assignment for me that involved a house, a local church. And I'm like, Lord, that's not on our plans. We, we've had, we got our life planned out. This is what we plan here. We just bought this beautiful home. And that's Kathy's dream house. We're near the mountains where she likes it. It's all this stuff. We had all our plans, but I kept feeling this prompting, this prompting. And how many of you know, then all of a sudden, I said, Lord, what is it? And God, God began to put in my heart this house. It wasn't in my heart, but he put it in my heart. And then next thing you know, how many of you know when you get those prompting, it's like you ever go to buy a new car? Like we, we just, we, we, last year we got, a, we got a, 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 new, a new truck for Kathy, and, and she wanted a black one this time, a, a black Denali. And I'm like, you know, I don't, I don't ever think about a black Denali. But once, she once we started looking for one, I saw them everywhere. I mean, it's like almost every red light I got to a window. There's a black Denali, there's a black Denali. I'm like, why are we going to buy them? Everybody's got one of them. They're everywhere. Huh? And it's like all of a sudden I got the prompting, I want you to go. I want you to go. I want you, this is your assignment. This is the next for your life. And then you know what? Then all of a sudden I started getting prophetic words. And prophetic words. A man stood me up in the middle of a whole crowd of people one day and said, I, Tony, I don't know what this means, but I hear the Holy Spirit saying the heartland is calling your name. The heartland of America is calling your name. I thought, where is the heartland? <laughs> hmm? And all the things, watch this, all the things that I'd got promptings about, all of a sudden then confirmations begin to come from everywhere just to, to, just to remind me. Because see, what happens is God understands that he'll prompt us to pray. He'll prompt us to call somebody. He'll prompt us that maybe we ought to get involved in a certain ministry. He'll prompt us that, you know what, the hidden thing here is forgiveness. You need to forgive somebody about something that's going on. The Lord... The greatest blessings in my life financially have come out of the promptings of the Lord. I've just been sitting in a service, and the Holy Spirit said, do this. I felt the prompting of the Lord to do it. I did it, and it created an incredible breakthrough. Yes, Why? Because I understand that God doesn't have to, it doesn't have to be some spectacular, Tony, Tony, this is the voice of the Lord. See, I think God wants us to get to the point where we recognize how to judge the promptings of the Lord. You're going to have to be here next week. I'll tell you how, how you begin to do that. I'm going to talk to you about one way today. Because see, when Samuel heard the voice of the Lord, he just heard a voice, Samuel, Samuel. And he responded, here I am. And where did he go? He went immediately to Eli. Don't miss what I'm about to say. Most of the time in your life, the voice of the Lord will sound like whatever God's connected you to. The voice of the Lord in my life, and most people that I know, the voice of the Lord, when you learn to first hear, sounds a lot like the mentors and the people that God's assigned to you. God sounded so much like Eli that when Samuel heard him, he got up and went to Eli. He did it three times. Now watch this. And that's because the word of the Lord had not yet been developed in him, had not yet been revealed. And it was Eli who realized that God was talking to the boy. Listen to me. Don't miss this. When Eli realized 
It's called the counsel of the Lord. When Eli realized that the Lord was calling him, his assignment, don't miss this, his assignment was to help him discern what to do and how to respond. A lot of Christians I know try to figure out the voice of the Lord on their own. They have no trusted voices in their life. And when they have no trusted voices, they don't know how to discern. So all of a sudden they get an impression that they've never learned how to discern properly. And it may be an impression that it's a five-year away dream and they try to make it happen that month because they don't know how to put process between the voice of the Lord and the fulfillment of the promise. There's people, God needs trusted voices in your life. Who can, that's why you need to be in a small group. That's why you need to be in a, in a, in a connection point with people in, in, in this. If this is your house, you need to be in a connection point with people that can help you learn. Pastors that can help you learn to discern the voice of the Lord. The word discern, everybody shout discern. The word discern means to separate. It literally means to separate. Because let me tell you what talks to you. The flesh talks to you. Mm. Come on, if you don't believe the flesh talks to you, go on a diet and walk through the kitchen where there's a donut. That's not a demon. Your flesh will talk to you. Let me tell you what I'm talking about. Like, like this past week, 6.30 prayer in the morning. How many of you know it, at 5.30 when your alarm goes off, your flesh will talk to you? God will understand. You need more rest today. <laughs> your flesh will talk to you. It talks to me all the time. I have to discern what is my flesh because sometimes, you know, I, I, I put on Twitter yesterday just as a joke. I, I hate to argue, but I hate to miss an opportunity to not prove to you I'm right too. So I, I, it's a, it's really a perplexing problem in my life. So it's sort of paradoxical. But but what happened is my flesh. I mean, you know, sometimes people say things, and and your spirit says, just leave that alone, leave that alone. <laughs> I ain't going to talk to that piece, that side over there because they ain't real. I'm going to talk to this side over here. And your spirit will say, just leave that alone. Don't, don't say anything. And, and all of a sudden, my flesh will go, just say this right here. And boy, that little statement right there can create a whirlwind of problems. Because your flesh has a voice. It'll talk to you. How many of you know the world talks to you? culture. It's the cosmos. It'll talk to you. In other words, you'll pull in your neighborhood and you'll see your, your neighbor and the guy at work and three of your friends got a new car. And all of a sudden culture will say to you, you know, if you don't upgrade a little bit here, your friends are not going to think you're successful. How can you wear those jeans? You need to get some that's got holes in them to look cool. Culture will talk to you. Come on. I, told, I sat and told my staff this one day. I said, you know, I, I'm amazed. I still get invited to speak to all kinds of young adult and, and, and young people meetings. And I said, why? Look at me. You know, I don't look like all the hip-hop preachers. I don't even have a pair of them Chelsea boots or whatever they're called. <laughs> what a... What are they called? I know Jay's got them anyway, but he's the college guy. Yeah, he's the college guy. I don't have any of that stuff. And, but I realize that what happens is people really get attracted to people. Culture talks to us about all this other stuff. Am I helping anybody? And please, I'm not. I, I think it's cool. It's great. I would wear skinny jeans, but that'd be a sin.
I tried that one time, but I was praying loosening and binding prayers and all kind of stuff. My voice went up and on the octave. I mean, it was terrible. I got to get back to this message here somewhere. Everybody shout trusted voices. Because see, Jeremiah 10, 23 says this. Jeremiah was in the midst of talking to a people like a nation that was headed to chaos. And, and they were headed into captivity. Yes, sir. And they couldn't figure out why. They said, why? Why is our nation being overrun? God, how are you letting your chosen people, Judah, being taken into captivity and into slavery? And then they answered their own questions through Jeremiah the prophet. He said, this is what he said, Jeremiah 10, 23. He said, for the ways of man is not within himself. And in him, his own direction cannot be found. In other words, God didn't create us to be self-sufficient. To not need external guidance. I am helping somebody right here. Come on, how many people in the room? You don't have to say amen. You don't have to say anything. Just, just under your breath, go, amen. How many people in the room, half of the disasters you faced in your life It wasn't a demon. It wasn't a devil. Stupid got you. Come on. Stupid just stood up and slapped you because bam, that was a. I'm going to raise my hand. I made some stupid decisions. Hmm? Some stupid decisions. And it's all because I didn't have trusted voices teaching me and helping me learn how to separate and discern. Was God talking to me? Was the flesh talking to me? Was the world talking to me? Was there forces of hell talking to me? Who's talking to me? So here's what Eli said to Samuel. Go back, lie down, and if he calls you, here's what you say. That's what, listen, listen to me. Don't miss this because in our independent American culture, we hate anybody to tell us almost anything. Can I tell you what God's Word declares? Trusted voices are not about you getting permission. They're about you doing things right. They're about you being successful. They're about you being fruitful. It's not that you need somebody's permission to do it. It's that you don't want to run off a cliff. So somebody may know something that can help you stay in the road that God has called you to. So quit being so prideful and believing, I don't need nobody to tell me what to do. I'm a grown man. Well, maybe you just need a trusted voice to say, have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? Maybe the way you respond is you go back to a place of rest. Go lie down. Quit striving. Quit trying to make it work. Go lie down. Down, and if he speaks to you, then say, here I am, Lord, speak. And he went and lied down, watch this, he went and lied down in his place. I'm telling you, there are people listening to my voice today, God's delivering the mail, but you're not getting it because you're not at home. You think the mailman's going to run all over town looking for you. Go lie down in your place. And when you get in your place, you'll begin to hear the voice of the Lord. Hallelujah. So he talks to us about the culture, how it causes the word to be rare. He talks to us about how he connects to us, and that's through his voice. He talks to us about how to discern, how to seek counsel about the word of the Lord that comes to us. And finally, he speaks to us about how do we commit to what he says. Because listen, we don't hear to be entertained. We hear to obey. We hear to obey. Then Samuel said, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. He literally was saying this, I'm listening so I can respond, so, so I can obey. I'm hearing you, I'm available to you, and I will respond to the prompting that's inside of my life today. 
So many people get confused about their calling, about what God wants them to do, when he wants them to do it. I know people today that God is talking to continually, but we keep waiting on this someday when all of a sudden our dreams all come to pass and then we feel like we'll respond to all of them at once. Can I say something to you boldly today? You can never let the promise of a future opportunity keep you from responding to the promptings of the Lord that are in this moment. Hmm? Well, I'll tell you what, when I get that fill in the blank, when I get that job, when I get that ministry position, when I get invited here, then I'll be quick to respond. You have to learn to say, speak, Lord, I'm here in the season you're in. Samuel had to do that as a child in the tabernacle with no real title. Here I am, speak to me. If you speak to me, I may be in a season where I'm just being told to love my neighbor. I don't have to wait till I join the outreach team to love my neighbor. I'm just going to start loving my neighbor. I don't have to wait for a healing service to forgive my, my, my wife or my, my husband. Maybe, maybe one day I'm going to be married. Maybe one day God's going to send the right man or right woman into my life. But I'm not going to put off all of my response to your promptings until the day I'm married. If I'm single right now, I got more time than I got anything else. So I might as well go on and give myself to what God's telling me to do and obey his voice and respond to his promptings so that I can fulfill the destiny in the season I'm in. I'm talking to some single people today. When my prayer time this week, the Holy Ghost said to me, there are single people sitting in this house and watching me online who believe that when you get married, you're really going to be powerful in the kingdom. But you're wimping out as a single adult. You have to learn to be obedient in the season you're in. Respond to his voice in the season you're in. And when you respond in the season you're in, God will move you to the things that are your future opportunities. Come on, team. There may be a day when you own your business, but until that day, i got to be faithful to be obedient to his spirit as he speaks to me. Hmm? I may be in full-time ministry one day, but today I hear him say, why don't you serve on a host team? Well, I'm wanting to raise the dead. Well, it might happen at the front door. Maybe God wants you to serve on the worship team. Maybe your first time on the platform will be up here just helping other people find God in worship. I'm going to reach the world for Jesus. Wonderful. Maybe it's going to happen in gay kids. Amen. What I'm saying is I want all of us to say, Lord, here am I. Here am I. I'm not a high priest. I'm not even a part of the priesthood. I'm just a 12-year-old boy that hears God talking to him. You can say, Bishop, you know what? I, I, don't even, I didn't even know the Bible had 66 books in it. I don't know the whole Bible. But I hear God telling me to give my life away. I hear God saying to me, why don't you serve your generation? I hear the Lord prompting me to go to somebody I work with and say to them, I just want you to know, man, you're incredible. God's got a plan for your life. I don't have to have, I don't have to have a whole handful of chick tra tracks or tell them they're going to hell and turn to burn. I just have to go to them at the prompting that's in me. Maybe I go tell the lady that's been so cantankerous over the last week or two, and I don't even know why. Maybe I don't know she got a bad report. Maybe I just feel prompted to go tell her, hey, I just want you to know I'm praying for you. My family and I pray for you. I love you. 
and in obedience in the season I'm in, God brings me to the things he desires for me. 1 Samuel 3 begins with the word of the Lord was rare. But God found a boy named Samuel who could hear the voice of God. And here's what verse 19 says. And Samuel grew. Could it be that maybe, maybe spiritual development has been a little slow because you've not been training your ear to hear? When Samuel could learn to discern the voice of the Lord, he grew. He grew. And do you know what the Bible says? 1 Samuel 3, 1, the word of the Lord was rare. By the end of chapter 3, Samuel grew. Here's what God said. And not one of his words fell to the ground and died. He learned to so hear God that he'd say what heaven would say. And and none of them became fruitless. They were all fruitful. And by the time you get to chapter 4, chapter 4, verse number 1, and the word of the Lord went throughout all of Israel because of the prophet Samuel. From no word to a nation full of the word. Because somebody had their ears trained, their hearts trained to the power of a prompting. To the power of a prompting. They obeyed the voice of God. Next week we'll talk more about how do I begin to discern? How do I separate that? How do I learn that? Because see, one of the ways you know the voice of God is even when he calls for your life. See, the Bible says, I didn't choose God. Uh I didn't choose Jesus. Uh We say things like this. They say, well, in 1979, I found the Lord. No, the Lord wasn't lost. You didn't find him. He found me. I didn't even choose him. He chose me. Before I ever called on the name of Jesus, Jesus called me. I began to feel my heart be tugged on. I want you. I'm waiting on you. And and I don't know how many times I said, no, no, no. I wrote one of my grandchildren this morning and just said, one of the most difficult times in my life was when I just kept running from God. I just kept running. But you know what? When I ran, God didn't say, oh, forget you, Tony. I just ran to the corner. Next thing I know, God was around the corner. I'd say, I don't want anything to do with this stuff. Next thing you know, somebody showed up and said, you know what? I went to church yesterday and God changed my life. And I'm like, oh, God. I believe there are people in this room, there are people that are watching me today. You keep feeling your heart being tugged on. And you say, what is that? It's the prompting of the Holy Ghost. It's God saying, it's time for you to come home. It's time for you to get in your place. It's time for you to find out how to walk with me because I have plans for you that are filled with good and not evil. They're going to give you a future and a hope. I want you to stand with me all over this room because I'm getting ready to pray for people. The Holy Spirit is calling people today. He's calling your name.